This podcast is brought to you by everythingvoluntary.com. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Thinking and Doing. If you're new here, let me tell you what this podcast is all about. This podcast is an exploration of logical fallacy, cognitive bias, stoicism, and life pro tips. Thanks for listening, and please enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Thinking and Doing podcast. In this episode, we're going to look at three life pro tips. I sourced these off of Reddit under the life pro tips subreddit. All right, here's the first one. Don't ever let the fear of looking hypocritical prevent you from doing the right thing in the present. Uh, they elaborate. They say, being called hypocritical is a devastating insult and suggests that you believe and espouse one idea while acting in a contradictory way. However, we are human beings. Our minds and beliefs are constantly changing and evolving. Your convictions in theory may change when confronted with the issue personally, and that's okay. As long as you admit your change of heart when you've done nothing wrong, then you've done nothing wrong. What you've done is very brave. I don't remember the details, but... I remember experiencing this where I didn't believe in doing something. And I think that even went so far to say, you know, we shouldn't do it this way. And then when confronted with, with doing it the other way, the way I didn't think it should be done, I remember feeling and thinking, well, if I do this, I'm just going to be a hypocrite. And it was, uh, it was a bit of a roadblock for me. It's probably ego, they call it, right? That part of you that doesn't want to be wrong, doesn't want to admit weakness or admit failure, things like that, that probably prevents us from doing this. So this is a really good reminder that when you have that feeling, oh, if I, if I do this, I'm going to be a hypocrite, even though it's, it's probably the right thing to do, you, what you probably should do if you want to sort of get around that and improve or become a better person in, in that way is to acknowledge this is not how I would have done it in the past. This to me seems like a good idea now. People change. I've changed my ideas. I've changed my habits. I've changed my, my behavior. This is just going to be another change. And we all know that there's one constant in the universe and that is change. So change and don't don't feel like you're being a hypocrite. Don't feel like you're being bad or wrong for doing what possibly is the right thing to do. Now, I guess this begs the question, is there ever anything that we're tempted to do that may not be the right thing? And we've always talked about doing the right thing in the past. And so now being presented with this temptation to do what we really feel is the wrong thing, we're, we're getting this internal message that that we would be a hypocrite for doing it. I'm sure that can happen too. And in fact, that might be a beneficial thing, right? This, this, uh, this ego or whatever, whatever it is that's second guessing what we want to do is probably there for a good reason, right? We obviously evolved in ego or a uh, conscience. And so I think 
we should acknowledge it and we should think twice about what it is we want to do. Uh, make sure we're doing it for the right reasons. Make sure that there's not a better way to do it. And if it's the only way to accomplish what we, we really need or want to accomplish and we're not, we're not hurting anybody, let's say, then maybe give it a try. I mean, what's the harm in that? Maybe you'll learn that this, this way you thought was quote unquote bad, which that idea could have come from any, anywhere, right? That thinking something is bad should itself be questioned all the time. Um, maybe it wasn't from a great source. Maybe that belief was not formed in a meaningful and important way. Maybe that belief was formed through some sort of manipulation or coercion or shame or somebody else's ulterior motives or somebody else's agenda for you. And so if you're, if you've always like talked against this sort of thing and now you're faced with it, question the thing itself, question why it is you ever held that belief. Where did that come from? What's the source of that? What's the genealogy of that belief? Okay. That's a, there's some, there's some truth claim bouncing around in your, your head. Okay, question the genealogy of that truth claim. Where does that come from? And maybe that will help you get over this feeling of being a hypocrite. It'll help you change and hopefully for the better. All right, let's go to the next one. Oh, I really like this one. Always know your partner's love language. Now, let me read what they wrote and then I'll elaborate because I have some experience with this. They write, I don't know if this has ever been posted here, but it is definitely important. Your love language is how you express love and how you want it to be expressed to you by other people. There are five common love languages, which I won't explain here, but it's an easy research. So we'll, we'll go look it up here in a second. It's very important to talk about this with your partner. It could solve many, many misunderstandings. Your partner may be the giving gifts type and you may be the physical affection type. In this case, you won't feel loved with your partner giving you gifts because he, she doesn't give you that much of your of physical attention. However, if you understand beforehand that this is how they show their affection, you will feel very appreciated. And if they know your love language, they will make an effort to fulfill that too. All right, let me uh, elaborate here on love languages. This is uh, something that was developed by a gentleman named Gary Chapman. Um, he released his book, wow, back in 1992. Early on in my marriage with my wife, we had had, I don't know, maybe my son was about maybe two or three years in, I guess, we had been having some issues that I believe stemmed from my wife being put on some medication that had some unfortunate psychological side effects. Um, but it was, it was something that we had to work with. And so we were, we had gone to a family counselor to, you know, to talk about it. And she had introduced us to this love languages book. And so we bought it and we really wanted to make sure we understood it. And my, my wife's uh, first language is Spanish and it, it is available in Spanish. So we got her the Spanish, me the English, and we read this book and we really learned a lot about these love languages. So let me go, um, if you go to fivelovelanguages.com, the number five, fivelovelanguages.com, they've got, and he's got, He's got all kinds of books now where he talks about love languages for kids, um, love languages for teens. Like he's really expanded this into like a, a really big thing. Um, it looks like he's even got a podcast. That's cool. Uh, let's see. I just want to find the list of the love languages. I don't have them memorized. Okay, here they are. 
Um, so yeah, if you go to five lovelanguages.com, you can read about these and I would definitely go to Amazon, just search five love languages. Um, the author's name is Gary Chapman and buy the book and read the book. This will be incredibly helpful, I think, because one thing you learn is not only do we have uh, a primary love language, we also have a secondary love language and the love language that we, that we need to receive that we hear can be different than the love language we speak. So that's important. And it can take some time to figure these out. But if you do it together with your partner, it can be incredibly rewarding. Okay, so here's the love languages. The first one is words of affirmation. So that's when you're when you're telling somebody or when you're hearing affirmations, right? You're being told that uh, you're important, that you're loved, that you're exciting, that um, you're doing something that your partner appreciates or your part your partner's doing something that you appreciate, but you're using words to convey this. The second one is acts of service. This is when you're helping each other out a lot, right? And, you know, if, if your partner's language is acts of service, then not making them ask you for help goes a really long way. You, if you're just constantly getting in there and helping them, like doing the dishes or vacuuming or, you know, whatever it is their primary roles are within your partnership, if you're getting in and helping them out, knowing what they are, that will go a long way. The third one is receiving gifts, right? So this is like, could be just little thoughtful gifts, um, could be random gifts. It could be, it could be big, elaborate gifts. Uh, you know, obviously you don't have to break the bank doing this. You know, it's not like every day you have to show up with a gift or anything like that. But just knowing that this is something that really, really turns them on. If you know what I mean, then you can utilize that. <laughs> Um, the fourth one is quality time. So just spending time going for walks, doing things together, um, just just being there, whether it's conversation, whether it's not conversation, it's just holding hands. It's just holding hands, being together, watching a show, you know, just uh, whatever it might be. And the fifth one is physical touch. So this is, you know, actual physical touch, which I think my love language is physical touch. You know, I'll be doing the dishes or whatever. My wife will come up and just start rubbing my back. And that just drives me crazy. Just absolutely drives me crazy. Makes me feel, makes me feel like I'm the most important man in the world. So those are them. Words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. You can, On this website, you can click each one. and It'll kind of um, give a little bit of a summary. But you really got to get the book and read it. Um, and, and then figure out together with your partner. I don't think it'll do you any good for, for one of you to read it and the other one to be totally ignorant. Read it together. Okay. Um, so yeah, knowing your partner's love language, that really will go a really long way and knowing your love language, right? So that you can communicate it, knowing the, knowing what love languages are about, right? So that you can, you can explain them and introduce them to your partner. If, if you're familiar and let's say you've moved on from one partner, because there was some incompatibility there and that's fine. And you have a new partner. Now you can say, Hey, have you ever heard of these love languages? This is something I've, I've learned about. And I, you know, I really want to be the best partner for you. Let's, let's talk about this and figure out what your love language is. And, and by the way, I think these are mine. You know, there might be primary, secondary, maybe even a tertiary type of situation going on. This isn't, you know, this isn't a hard science. You can't do a brain scan and figure out 
<laughs> what somebody's love language is. It really is a trial and error type of thing at first. So remember that. Okay, let's go on to the, the last uh, life pro tip. This is a pretty good one too. If you feel like not doing anything productive today and you want to wait for a better mood, don't watch Netflix or relax with some consumable content. Rather, literally do nothing. It will reset your brain and you can get into better a better mood way quicker. Way quicker. All right, let me read their elaboration and then I'll, I'll or let me read what they wrote and then I'll elaborate. It's a big trap to fall into. You think you have the choice between relaxation and productivity, but in reality, you won't actually relax your brain by stimulating it further with short-term rewards. If you really don't want to do anything, then just don't. I mean really nothing. You can meditate, go for a walk, stare at a wall, sleep, take a nap, watch the birds, uh, enjoy a cup of green tea. Anything boring <laughs> will do. By the time you're done with nothing, doing something will feel great. Um, and they, they just put at the end here a, a bit of a postscript. I'm not talking about the pseudoscience dopamine detox. You won't get rid of bad habits that way, but it's a quicker way to get on track again. Okay. This is, um, I think this is pretty good. And this is something that I'm really going to try to keep in mind going forward because there are those moments where it's like you do, you kind of feel bored. Nothing really interests you. There's, there's nothing about this, you know, your environment or the state of affairs around you that is causing you to feel uneasy, that you just got to change it, which I believe is what uh, motivates action to begin with. So go for a walk. Maybe you stop here and there and observe something. Maybe there's some squirrels you can watch for a bit. There's some birds. Um, you know, who knows? It is kind of a way to just sort of let your, your subconscious or your unconscious do whatever processing it needs to do and clear out space, it seems. So um, you can, you can, you can sit down and sit in your chair and just close your eyes and just uh, think about whatever happens to come into your mind. Follow those thoughts. And you can even just lay down on your bed and close your eyes and maybe you'll take a nap. Be sure to, you know, set an alarm before any important time so that you don't oversleep. Um, but taking a nap is great. This is something that I'm doing far more regularly than I used to. I've got time in between my work shifts in the afternoon. I've got a few hours and laying down, um, sometimes alone, sometimes with my wife, has been pretty great. And it really does kind of reset my day. And then I'm, I'm motivated again for, you know, working in the evening. So that's good. I'm going to remember that. If I'm not feeling like doing anything, take a walk. I've got a great neighborhood to walk in. You know, it's a pretty typical residential neighborhood, but there's, there's short blocks and long blocks and it's kind of a grid and you can pretty much walk anywhere. Anyway, I like that. All right. That's going to do it. Just to, let's just recap a bit. We talked about, um, the fear of looking hypocritical, which can prevent you from doing something, particularly the right thing in the present. Uh, always knowing your partner's love language. So definitely look up that book on Amazon, Love Languages, Five Love Languages. And resetting your mind in a way where you're, you're literally doing nothing. And that could bring you back. Now, sometimes it's okay. It, it's obviously, let me just add on to that real quick. I just thought of it. It's okay to just want to sit and watch Netflix. I think that's okay too. Um, so this, this, you know, there's a particular reason you would do this and there's a reason you would do that. So it's, it's good to keep those separate, I think. All right. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening and have a better day. 
please send your comments or questions to thinkinganddoingpodcast at gmail.com. Please consider supporting this podcast at everythingvoluntary.com by visiting patreon.com forward slash EVC or paypal.me forward slash everythingvoluntary. Thank you.